Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining me. On tonight's program, we do a bit of speed dating with our regular guests, June Baylou, Julia Lee, and Paul Rickard. And we've got Mike Gable coming along to look at the charts for these interesting companies. What are the companies? They are Appen, A2 Milk, Newix, South 32, AGL, Vicinity Centres, and Fortescue. So let's kick off the show right now with uh, Julia Lee of Berman Invest, and we engage in a bit of speed dating with some pretty well-known companies. Well, first up is Julia Lee of Berman Invest, and Julia, I'm just sort of describing this a bit like speed dating, so I tossed a whole bunch of stocks at you. So let's, let's rip on through them. Uh, welcome to the program, by the way. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Okay. This one I've tossed at you a number of times. Uh, it had a pretty good week last week, but, you know, it's had a shocking year, I guess, or half year, and that's Appen. What do you think things going on there? And is it going to be a buy at some stage along the line? Yeah, look, I've been avoiding Appen. Um, if you look at what it does in terms of its business model, it's in data annotation. So when you have a look at things like artificial intelligence, the data has to be cleaned and labelled. And that's really what Appen looks at. Um, it is quite people intensive, which is why it's got such a large workforce. Um, and its top five clients make up more than 80% of revenue, which is a positive as well as a negative. A positive when things are going well, but when things aren't going well or you lose a customer or you're losing business, then it's a big chunk of revenue. And that's the problem at the moment. I think Facebook is its biggest customer. And we know that Facebook has been doing a few different things. Number one, they've been looking at automated um, annotation models and um, whether or not that's eating into revenue at the moment is, is we, we don't know, um, but it could in, in terms of future years. So looking at the technological advances in that space. And then the other thing is that Facebook has been under pressure because it has been looking at those congressional testimonies where they have been looking at consumer harm. And that means Facebook has slowed down um, its development of new products. Now, we don't know whether or not that impacts on Appen, but it could. Um, so look, I still think there's a few risks there. If it loses you know, big customers or revenue from big customers, it can always pick up smaller customers. Um, the only problem with that is that it costs more to acquire smaller customers. So there would be a larger marketing spend. So just watching that uh, marketing spend and the cost of acquiring new customers and that revenue growth, and just watching to see whether we are seeing a structural shift in the market that Appen operates. Okay, let's go to the next one, O2 Milk. Um, had a good week last week, despite the fact there was talk about a class action. What's your, your latest take on O2? Oh my goodness, how quickly things move. Um, usually when it comes to a turnaround, you have a bit of time to make some decisions, but with A2 Milk, it was pretty much two days and you just saw the price shooting up around about 20%. The catalyst for that was a Bubs update, BUB. Bubs came out with a very positive update and in particular, that Daegu channel to China was very strong. And of course, that means it does look like we've reached an inflection point in terms of that Daegu channel, which is an important high margin channel into China. So expectations are that we have seen revenue bottoming out in the third quarter of the year and that it will be bigger and 
brighter days here. The shares have already uh, rallied around about 20% uh, from that Bubs update. So watching for an update from HMIL because of course they are concentrating more on the direct channel into China rather than the indirect channel like the day gears. But as borders reopened, you still expect that sales uh, would come back. Um, so, you know, the concern here was that China is really refocusing in on its domestic brands, but that update from Bubs was an extremely positive one. So looking pretty good here. The risks are still there, but look, the share price has been so quick. It would have been hard to get on 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 this one early. Yeah. So the Daigu would just be cream on the cream on the business. Yeah, China is really the strong growth channel for A2 milk, as we know. Um, so, you know, that's the reason why it's struggled over the last few years. And look, China has its own problems. The birth rate over in China has plummeted. So they are trying to get the birth rate up and that refocusing in on the domestic brands but now we are seeing borders reopening and travelers moving around it will be interesting to see um, how much growth and how quickly growth comes back i suspect the a2 milk won't get back to the uh, bullish days of a few years ago um, but it does look like a recovery from the very um, pessimistic situation that we saw when travelers weren't moving around okay let's go, go to newix now yeah, I mean, Newix is one that's fallen off the radar a little bit because it's not in the ASX 200 um, index anymore. If we have a look at what it does, it's really analytics and intelligence uh, software and software as a service that it looks at. And I guess if you have a look at Newix, it still has a way to go to build um, investor confidence in the stock. And I think the key thing that you're looking for here is revenue growth. And we're really yet to see revenue growth coming back. But that would be a signal for me that um, it's a it's a lower risk turning point for the stock. So we've seen a bit of a recovery from the lows. Um, but look, with interest rates still rising, we have seen that tech space coming under pressure. And I suspect Newix is growing, but probably very slowly at this stage. So just watching for that re revenue growth to come back. Some of the factors that might change my mind around Newix and make me a bit more bullish and positive towards the stock was if we were to see a price rise in terms of the product that it has or whether it was to um, find new uses for the software it has um, or bolt-on acquisitions as well. Um, so they would be positives but at the moment the number one thing I'm watching for Newix um, before I'd be jumping on is for revenue growth to come back. Okay, the company's done well but really for the last year is South 32. Um, do you think the upside's still there for this company? I think South 32 is going to continue to do well to the end of the year. And um, when it comes to commodities, you have to really look at the underlying plays. And it's been aluminium that's seen that turnaround in South 32 share price. Now, the reason why aluminium has been so strong in terms of pricing is because of China. China's been having problems with electricity and blackouts in particular, and it's a net exporter of aluminium. So with those blackouts, and of course, aluminium is very energy intensive to produce, we're seeing prices rising throughout the rest of the world because there hasn't been as much supply coming out of China. So the aluminium picture is very positive for South 32. And then adding that coal prices because the energy problems have been rising as well. So we have seen South 32 in an earnings upgrade, and that's going to continue as long as those energy prices keep on rising. And look, I don't think China is going to sort out its electricity problem before the end of the year because we're coming into winter, which is peak usage. So just just watching to see how bad those electricity problems are from China. And that's probably going to have a flow on effect, not only for South 32, but for our, uh, our mining sector here in Australia. 
This is a company that's not really a Julia Lee looking company, namely AGL, but have you changed your mind on this company? Yeah, I mean, we have seen energy prices doing really well. So wholesale energy prices should be rising as well. This is not a popular stock at the moment. Share prices are still very close to the record lows. But I have to admit, it is looking interesting here. And that's because of electricity prices that have stabilized and are now rising. So having a look at AGO Energy, it's not popular because of the environmental social governance impacts of it. But the price is so low now that it's potential takeover, especially as we see recovery of that energy price. So I think the key hat here has been the energy price increase that we've seen, which isn't being reflected in the share price at the moment, which means a short-term opportunity there. Yeah. But well, high risk. Yes. As I say, I, I can understand. And I must admit, there's so many curveballs that could happen to AGL, including government interference and whatever. It bothers me. But still, it, it's, it's shown some positive signs recently. What about vicinity centres? Uh, shopping centre businesses generally? Well, Pete, I've only still been going to my local neighbourhood centre and it is jam-packed. Mm. I was queuing across a couple of aisles just to do my grocery shopping over the weekend. Um, so, look, I think shopping centres are seeing a huge pent-up demand coming back, but I would prefer to own the retailers rather than the landlords. And the reason for that is twofold. Number one, we are seeing... Um, bond yields rising, so interest rates rising. So as interest rates rise, so as, um, I guess the property investments become less attractive. And we saw that on the market today. We saw big moves in term, terms of bond yields and the sectors which were impacted the most negatively were the property sector, the REITs, as well as the tech space. On the flip side, it was great news for the banks because as interest rates rise, they get to reprice their mortgage books and margins become fatter. So look, I'd prefer retailers, um, in particular, really liking Harvey Norman at the moment. It's under $4.90, which I think is an attractive price. And look, this is a reopening trade. Harvey Norman usually stocks those um, more expensive items that you want in the house. So usually people want to see it in store before they buy it rather than buying it online. So as we see our lockdowns coming to an end, I think Harvey Norman will see pent up demand. And of course, household uh, budgets are in good shape and the housing market is still looking pretty strong. So look, I think this is a reopening trade. And of course, underpinning it is also a pretty strong poverty portfolio as well. So preferring a retailer rather than looking at a landlord at this stage. One final one, Fortescue. Yeah, look, Fortescue, I think in the short term is a bit hard and that's only because of the iron ore price. We know that uh, the steel cuts in China have been hurting and it still looks like we have seen weak steel output from the numbers today. So we saw some numbers coming out from China today. We saw GDP numbers slowing down for the third quarter to 4.9%, which was weaker than expected. And industrial production for the month of September coming in weaker than expected at 3.1% compared to expectations of 3.8%. And it looks like steel production back to the very low rates that we saw back in February. So I think as long as those electricity problems in China persist, that's going to have an impact in terms of outputs. So it looks like in the short term, Fortescue, this is probably one that I'd be looking at in the new year after the Beijing Winter Olympics were over in February. We know that the market moves um, before events actually happen. So I'd probably be looking at Fortescue or having a re-look at Fortescue in December, January. Great. Julia Lee, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Pete. That's Julia Lee of Berman Invest. And coming up after the break is Mike Gable from FEMA Equities. And he'll look at the charts that look at the stocks that Julia has just been running around. <laughs>
Well, joining us now is Michael Gable, the founder of Fairmont Equities. And Michael's going to look at some of the, the stocks that look like they're turning it. They've at least had a good month or so. And we'll just see whether there's a likely uptrend forming. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. All right, so I've thrown a few companies at you and you've brought along the one that you think looks um, worth investing in. But let's kick off with the first one. A2 Milk has had a shocker for since July of last year, around a $20 stock and it's tumbled into the fives or $6 mark. Um, but the last month's been pretty good. Um, so what are you seeing on your charts? Yeah, look, I think the A2 Milk chart's actually... Um, fairly interesting here. I, I still think it's a little bit early to be buying, but it does look as though it is trying to build a base. So we've had that, that downtrend um, from the middle of last year um, up until about a few months ago. Uh, but what I'm trying to show on the chart at the bottom right is that instead of continuing that slide, it has uh, started to level out. And, um, and as you mentioned, Peter, just in the last month, it's had a it's had a pretty good run. So it's found some very good buying support near $5. Um, in my opinion, I'd like to see it back above that upper um, blue line. So you're looking at the mid sevens, even call it $8. And I think if you can start trading um, at those levels, then, then that would be a real positive for A2 Milk. So although it is a little bit early, it is starting to show signs of, as I said, a base building. Um, and we just take it from there. Yeah, I've always argued, uh, Mike, and I think I probably started thinking this might be a good buy when we got around $10 or so, given the fact that, A, we always thought it was a quality company. Then we were really staggered that it had four downgrades, and now we, we know Slater and Gordon are actually mounting a class action against the company. But the, the big problem for it, I, I always thought, was a part of its business is the Daigu trade. And a lot of the Chinese tourists that were coming here, they weren't there. So that was always going to be... I thought when that turns around, at least there would be one little leg up as sort of a starting yeah. point for this company to head in the right direction. And that's probably still six months off before we start seeing, you know, tourists coming back to Australia en masse. So it's still yeah. a, a wait and see, but to me, it looked like it was building a base and that's exactly what your chart shows. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's go to your next one now. And that is, let me just get, get out my little notes there. That is Appen. Now Appen has been another disappointing company, was mm -hmm. a great performer. Uh, it's been struggling to, to turn it around. Are the charts telling you anything that would give a, a, an Appen shareholder any reason for hope? It, it is still a bit early for Appen. Um, when we looked at Appen together um, a few months ago, at that time, I thought this was also potentially building a base and I've, I've redrawn those horizontal blue lines to show a few months ago where it looked like it was building a base, but... Yeah. But as with A2 Milk, um, whereas, where I mentioned that, okay, it's building a base, but it's still a bit too early. I guess this is an example of, you know, the, the, the risks in, in jumping into something before it breaks out of, out of that base. Because in the case of Appen, it looked like it was building a base, um, but then it's failed at the end of August and it's continued on with, um, with that downtrend. So at the moment, yeah, look, it, it does look like it's still sliding. It, it did have a, a fairly good week last week. Um, obviously, tech stocks um, started to make a little bit of a move again. But um, again, with Appen, it's just, yeah, it's still a little bit too early. Um, again, in my opinion, I'd prefer to see it 
sort of at least move back into that previous range that we had a few months ago, which was sort of between that 11 to $15 um, region. So yeah, just we've got to keep an eye on it. I think it's too early to be jumping in. Yeah, historically, my investing technique has always been, if you see a quality company that's really been bashed up by the market, wait till you see like a five or 10% rise in the, in the, the share price and make it make it look like it's a, a solid uh, turnaround trend. Now, mm. we're probably going to need a much bigger one, given where we were between those two blue lines. We're probably going to need to see it, make a, a 10 to even 15% gain before we had that confidence that the worst of uh, for this company is behind it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, with Appen, with A2 Milk, they're companies that everyone loves to hate at the moment. And and it just seems like there's only bad news. So I agree with you, Peter. When I see those those big moves, and and it doesn't seem to make sense because everything should be going wrong with the business, but it, it it's making proper moves up, uh, especially on volume, and that's telling you that um, you know the smart money is potentially uh, moving in. I think it's yeah, we haven't seen that yet, but but definitely that is a, a key thing to look for. Okay, this one is a company called Vicinity. It's a, a it owns a lot of shopping malls and things like that. And um, what are the charts telling you about this company? I, th I think this one's also a very um, interesting chart. So I like when I see a stock, um, when I see a stock chart, uh, I like it when there's some very clear horizontal boundaries um, with the way it's trading. So with vicinity centres, we could see that um, over the last year, there's been clearly support around the dollar 50, whenever it goes down there, it tends to cease a buying, it's higher, but then when it gets near a dollar 80, um, there's some selling. So those clearly defined boundaries just make it a, a better probability um, investment or trade when it does break out of that range. So at the moment we've seen vicinity have a very good run across July to August. Uh, it did come back across the, the month of September, but in the last few weeks, it's very quickly got back up to that dollar eighty mark. So, mm -hmm. I, if if you're interested in vicinity, I think keep a very close eye on it. It looks like it's probably only days or even a couple of weeks away from breaching that dollar eighty region. And I think if it can, you know, if it's still a bit too early, but if it can get above that dollar eighty level, um, then that will just attract a lot more buying, um, and you'll also have a lot less sellers as well, because clearly up until now. The selling has come come in at a dollar eighty. If if it gets through that, it means that all those sellers have, have done their selling, and I think it'll have a clear run back up to to over two dollars. So this is a very good looking chart, and uh, definitely one to keep an eye on. And, and I get a feel, Michael, that this is uh, well over two dollars before the coronavirus crash. Uh, it tumbled like all shopping centres should have, given the fact that people couldn't go there. Mm. Uh, had a nice bounce out, but you can see that the lockdowns clearly have affected this business. Clearly, yes. people can't go to the shopping centres in Sydney and Melbourne, but things are starting to change. Now. And the last sell-off was from what a dollar eighty down to maybe a dollar sixty-five. Didn't get to the dollar fifty. Makes you get that feeling that as the world opens up in Australia, the shopping world opens up, it's got to be good for a company like this. So. It seems to me like mm. the, the real world circumstances are sort of marrying in with what, what you're seeing technically. 
Yeah, exactly. You, you make a good point there, Peter, with the fact that the recent pullback only went to about a dollar sixty-five. So it didn't go down to a dollar fifty this time around, which is is basically giving me the, I guess, confidence that we're probably only a few days or a couple of weeks away from it actually wanting to push through that dollar eighty region. Okay, let's go to the next one now, Michael, and that's uh, Fortescue FMG, and this is a company that you know was really flying high until the iron ore price came off the boil and then it went down and it's recently had a bit of a bounce. What are you seeing in this chart? Um, yeah, again, another very interesting chart. I mean, I, you know, I have to admit, I didn't expect the iron ore price to uh, dip as much as that. I think it's caught everyone off guard. I mean, the iron ore price has had a couple of dips this year back in March and May, um, but you know, nothing as uh, severe as what we've seen recently, but I do think that's an oversold situation. And the interesting thing about the Fortescue chart is that down here, it looks like it is very close to bouncing. So what I've, what I've done this time around with the chart is at the bottom, I've got the RSI, which is the relative strength indicator. So basically it, it is a measure of, of momentum. And what, what, you've, what, what, you find, what we're finding with Fortescue is that um, the momentum has been heading higher while the share price has been heading lower. It's something called divergence. So to, to get into the nitty gritty, if we have a look at the month of August, I've circled up the top um, where the price was uh, in August, which is around $20. Mm. And then at the bottom on the RSI, I've circled um, where it bottomed. So as we can see since that point, since the circles, as we move to the right-hand side, the share prices continue to head down, but the momentum has actually trended up. So what we've got there is divergence. So the, the share price heads lower, but momentum's been heading up that whole time. And this is, for those with very good memories, this is something I pointed out um, in March last year when we were looking at the broader market and how it was very close to bouncing because for the last couple of weeks of that COVID sell-off, the market was heading down, but the momentum indicators were already trending higher. So that's what we're seeing with Fortescue. Basically, at the end of the day, what I'm trying to say is Fortescue looks like it's very close to bouncing here. So I think we've got a good low in Fortescue. And if you believe that the recent uh, decline in, in iron ore um, is mostly over uh, and the demand will, will start to, to kick back in, then I think these are good levels for Fortescue. And it's the same with BHP. And, and Rio, they're all displaying similar um, characteristics. So I think down here, we're not we're not getting that bounce yet. If you want to be, uh, I guess, a little bit more conservative or a little bit more sure, you could wait for a bit more of a bounce in in Fortescue to show that it's it's at it's at its lows. But uh, when I look at the chart, I'm, I'm I'm getting pretty confident this is this is a good low in Fortescue. Yeah, it seems to me if you wait another five or ten, there still will be plenty of upside above it. Yeah, 100%. That's right. There's so much potential upside there that if you miss the first dollar to be certain, then, you know, you're, you're still making a good return. Yeah, one of my best calls ever, um, Mike, was uh, around 2015 when BHP got to about $14. I remember saying to, I think it was Michael McCarthy from CMC Markets on, the, on the, uh, my old Sky Business program that, well, like, if this thing can get to $20 over the next three years, Making six bucks on fourteen doesn't look too bad, and uh, but I didn't have the guts to get in until sixteen dollars. But uh, it's it still was a pretty good play. 
exactly. Yep. Let's go to your selection now, Linus. This is one you mentioned before, and, mm. and I know um, myself, Mayor Superfund, has been a beneficiary of uh, believing in Linus. What are you seeing now for this company? It, it does look like it wants to head higher. I'll just, um, before I talk about Linus, I'll just make a quick comment about the index because the last couple of times you've spoken, Peter, mm. I've spoken about the index and how it, it's looked a bit vulnerable. There's been a number of risks out there in the broader market. But over the past week, my reading is that there seems to be good support here. So I think that 5% pullback that we've seen over August, September is, is probably it this time around. Um, so the, the, the broader index does look pretty well supported now. Um, and I think that generally, um, you know, it should head higher. So stocks like this uh, are now presenting as, as opportunities. So Linus, we spoke about this one, I think, in June, July, where, it, as you could see on that chart, that that narrowing range I, I spoke about, the breakout, um, it's it's had a bit of a rally, but you know, the last several weeks have just been a wild ride um, for Linus. But essentially, we've got some very clear um, support levels down here, um, just above sort of $6, and there's that resistance level, that upper line, and it's bounced off that support level. So I think for the short term, we're going to see a a recovery in Linus back to um, its recent peak, just over, um, just just under eight dollars. Um, and again, if you can break that upper line, then you know that'll bring in new buying, and then you'll have even even further upside. So I'm still, you know, I'm still quite bullish on on commodities in general. I think there's still a nice tailwind um, for that sector, mm. and um, yeah, and Linus being in rare earths, the the largest rare earths producer outside of China. Uh, it looks like it's on the way back up. Yeah, and and Mike, it, it really is positioned for the new world of tech of technical products that mm. require that that kind of input, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, Mike, thanks for joining us in the program, and we'll talk to you in a few weeks' time. Thanks, Peter. Mike Gable from Fairmont Equities. Well, joining me now is June Bay Lu of Tribeca Alpha Plus. Good to see you, June Bay Lu. Great to see you, Peter. Would you say really looking forward to seeing you in real person soon? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't wait to get back in the office. You, you and me are probably you and I are probably two of the few people in the world who really want to get back to the office. <laughs> Absolutely. And what's funny is that I was talking to my our CEO the other day. It is so rare for people to say that we're dying to get back to work. <laughs> I, I have noticed that people who've been at home with their dear little children are desperate to get back to the real world of adults. Oh, absolutely. That's right. And then so instead of rushing in between, you know, lunches and morning teas, uh, we, uh, we can kind of get back to the normal working environment. Uh, it'll be quite exciting. <laughs> exciting. Okay, I've asked you to look at a number of stocks. And these stocks here, some of them I, I've noticed that at least over the last week, some of them over the last month, they started to show some upside. A, a number of them have been clobbered, uh, and I guess it could be a bit of wishful thinking in there as well. I'm, I'm holding some of these stocks as well. Um, I'd be interested to see what you're thinking about these companies. Let's kick off one with one that a lot of people are, are, are rooting for on the sidelines, and that's Appen, APX. What do you mm. think? 
Yeah, look, I think that average share price has fallen a lot and it perhaps has found its bottom. Now, the, the talk is there will be uh, potentially another small downgrade, not going to be a big one because they have downgraded many times, mm -hmm. um, I think. Uh, but the small downgrade potentially is still there, um, potentially coming in November. However, the share price has fallen so much. Appen is no longer an expensive stock. I think ultimately, um, you know, this company um, has gone through uh, the disruptions by the COVID and the last and it's earning um, hopefully should really have found the bottom by now um, and next year if anything the earnings should accelerate um, you know in terms of performance compared to what they experienced this year so you know it's actually making it looking very interesting at this share price yeah I had Mike Gable on earlier talking about the stock and he he says it looks like it's forming a base but he, he says it's probably not the right time exactly now he said but it might not be too far off People are saying that um, that's one thing that often people say, look, the downgrade is never priced in. Look at so many companies, they keep downgrading, they keep falling. Um, but the share price has fallen so significantly um, and we expect the downgrade perhaps from zero range from zero to 5%. So that is not that dramatic. And it certainly seems like with the share price fall, people are expecting much bigger downgrade. Um, I think, you know, based on the business momentum we've seen so far in the results, um, some things are improving and some of the issues um, that has been impacted by the COVID um, should hopefully to improve. Uh, I think it certainly looks interesting. You should definitely keep this one in watch. Okay. Now, one that used to be a favourite and was a terrific stock, A2 Milk, uh, last month, uh, in last week, I think it was up 13%, wasn't it? Despite the fact there was talk about class actions and everything. That's what's, right. What's your latest take on A2 Milk? Oh, I like A2 Milk. Um, so <laughs> I know we've gone through likes and dislike and everything. Look, everything has a price. So A2 Milk has lost more than 60% of its value in the last 12 months. Now, ultimately, what's really changed, uh, what's really changed, um, you know, compared to 12 months ago was, um, you know, the brand is still very, very strong and it's still the Asian consumer love to uh, buy its product. The problem was that because it's such a premium label company, uh, premium label, you know, infant formula, when pandemic first hit, uh, people or the Chinese and his parents just went out and stock up on all the infant formula. And then obviously when things turn out, um, you know, to be not as bad as expected, people are running down their own household pantry. Um, so that means the demand for A2 products sort of, you know, ceased somewhat. Um, and at the same time, when uh, the Daigo channel couldn't really travel to buy uh, infant formula from here and ship it across because of the border was closed. So um, all of that together has meant the A2 share price has lost a lot. Uh, but our view is that, um, you know, I think the share price has found its bottom. It's got an investor day coming up. I think it will point to towards some positive data. Uh, we saw Bubs has reported talking to significant improvement in the Daigo channel. We think it, you know, for A2 perhaps it's smaller read through, uh, but still um, things are, um, you know, pointing to the green. So um, with the share price where it is, very cheap, no debt, um, strong cash balance, um, it certainly put that one on, on the radar. We like this one. Okay, let's go to Newix now, NXL. Mm. Yeah, uh, look at Honestly, I think spe on the speculative front, um, we like this one as well now. Uh, share price has lost a lot. Uh, look, today your list is just a basket list uh, that we want to buy. Um, you know, Newix has um, gone through a significant issue. What has been the main problem for this company was, um, you know, the uh, they have, um, you know, the US election as well as the uh, COVID. There was a lot of disruption in terms of new winning new contracts. Now, this company was on the aggressive end 
end in booking its revenue. Um, so when the new contract was a bit delayed, uh, it did create a bit of problem in terms of meeting uh, its prospectus forecast. But honestly, it hasn't missed all that much. But the share price has fallen a lot. And now the CEO gone, CFO gone, um, has, you know, it has put a lot of uh, negative, negative sentiment on this price now. Um, now they just hired the CFO who was ex-star and then they got appointed some independent board members who are highly regarded. Uh, the next news flow will be the new CEO. So we think um, a lot of bad news is in the share price. Of course, when the new CEO starts, he will rebase the earnings. But based on what it's trading on at the moment, it is so much cheaper than its peers. And the share price is actually below what the previous um, private equity, the trade sale price was, uh, you know, when the, at the time of, of listing. So we do think there's an interesting value sitting in this company. Um, but we've still got Rocky Road ahead, but it, the value really presents at, at the current price. Okay, you're doing well, Jim. Let's go to South 32 now. Uh, look, South 32 has done very well. The share price has been incredible. Um, look, it's a, it's a low quality company. It's not something that you can buy and hold, but it is operating in a very, very good environment at the moment. Uh, aluminium prices um, good, doing really well. Um, Alumina prices doing really, really well. Um, and uh, coal prices doing very well. So it is owning, um, this company owns some of the, um, you know, highly sought after priced um, commodity at the moment. Uh, doesn't really hold much of a bulk like the iron ore, the iron ore miners, which sort of all struggled. So, um, you know, it looks um, in a good environment it, uh, based on the spot prices, earnings come upgrade, but I'm more of a neutral because it just does so well relative to uh, the other commodity companies. And as we said, these are not high quality businesses. So you kind of need to, um, you know, when things go well, take some profit and uh, put into some other commodity business perhaps that's being oversold. And here's a challenging one, AGL. Yeah, that was too hard for me. <laughs> I, uh, it's look, it's 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 been um, a difficult business. I think at the current share price certainly represents some value um, as it split out the two businesses. Um, I'm just about to sneeze. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> can I start this one again? Okay. So AGL. Okay. So AGL. Okay, AGL is um, this one is hard. It, look, it is going to split out. It's um, uh, the green co and then the dirty company, and uh, um, you know, and then for the green co, there will be a very good valuation. However, uh, the amount of equity or capital, additional capital required, um, is still very very hard to determine that how much capital you need to use to back um, the the other business, one of the business. So uh, it still come uh, equity raising. Um, so you know, it is cheap, but it's very hard to see the share price uh, going anywhere. Perhaps it will hold its value. It will be defensive, the market falls, uh, but it's just hard to allocate money to this business where, um, you know, part of its majority part or majority of its business has very limited um, lifespan. Okay. What about the shopping center business vicinity, VCX? Yeah, I like the shopping center business that they are still very, very cheap relative to other property uh, uh, companies such as industrial property and others. Um, they're, they're still trading at a big discount to uh, what their actual asset value is. Um, vicinity together with Center Group, they own some of the premium locations. Um, if anything, we all know the property prices for residential, industrial, all gone up significantly in the last couple of years. Um, and yet the shopping center prices haven't really done all that much because the shops were um, you know, its earning will follow a great trajectory of reopening, um, and uh, and then we expect that valuation to its asset um, to to close very quickly. 
Okay, one final one, Fortescue Metals. All the miners have copped it. I, I, my personal view is that if 2022 is going to be a strong year for the global economy, you think the iron ore price and the iron ore share prices will go up. But what's your view? Yeah, look, I think I agree with you. I think next year the um, global growth will be very fairly strong. Uh, I think Fortescue has absolutely been oversold um, on the basis of what's happening in China. Um, I know prices, uh, perhaps there will be more volatility to come because as the you know Chinese working through its uh, its issues in the uh, property trust sector, a uh, property um, developer sector. Um, but uh, the the, the iron ore equities such as Fortescue has been oversold. Uh, even compare that to the likes of Rio. Um, you know, Fortescue stand out, um, you know, massively. We certainly think that's being oversold. It represents good buying opportunity. On the basis of that, BHP is another one, which we think, you know, um, is uh, um, is also a very, very good buying because it also has oil assets as well. Um, you know, at the time when BHP got sold on 40% in the last couple of months, uh, Woodside, um, you know, which will form the future part BHP Woodside, you know, venture has gone up uh, 10%. So it's outperformance of 50%. Um, um, you certainly see there's a lot of value inherent in those majors. Jim Lu, thanks for the great assessment of some interesting companies. Thank you very much. Well, joining us now is Paul Rickard of the Switzer Report. Uh, thanks for joining us, Paul. Thanks, Peter. All right, so you've got a special bit of reconnaissance into all the stocks out there that you like but you've actually narrowed it down to one really important stock that you think everybody should have in their portfolio. Be, I guess if your, your children or grandchildren said to you, you know, what stock should I buy first of all? What should be in my portfolio? This is the one. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit more than that, Peter, but uh, it came from a reader question, basically, what's the one core stock in your portfolio you really want to have? And while I'd never recommend just one stock, because I'm a great believer in diversification and all the studies show that uh, diversification diversification as a strategy works it's nevertheless an interesting question just to try to narrow it down to one mm. so i just looked at the top 20 stocks peter because i think um, that's probably more than enough and uh, went through it on a sector by sector basis uh, of the banks uh, clearly for me it's commonwealth bank and macquarie you know i've written for many years about how commonwealth bank is head and shoulders ahead of the other major banks Macquarie is a very different sort of banking business, much an investment bank, much more offshore, uh, but it's uh, certainly looked after shareholders over the long term. Uh, in terms of the resources companies, you know, BHP, Rio, Fortescue, Woodside, uh, I think you're really going to go for BHP, Peter, simply because it's uh, probably the best diversified and has the best assets. Uh, and then you look at companies like CSL, obviously, in the healthcare space. Uh, in the supermarkets, you've got Woolworths and Coles. I think Woolworths is the market leader and comes out comfortably in front. Uh, West Farmers gets up there because uh, it's really done really well as a conglomerate. It's probably the last in that model. And the last sort of shortlist contender, I guess, is Goodman Group, um, which is uh, not just done really well post the pandemic, Peter, but this industrial property group, which is pretty much a global business now with most of its revenue outside Australia, uh, has also been one of those companies that's got a great 10-year stock picture. So on a shortlist basis, I come down to CBA, Macquarie, uh, CSL, West Farmers, Woolworths and Goodman Group. Mm. Well, it's a good group of, of um, stocks, Paul. Now, 
Uh, as you're talking, I had a quick look to see what the analysts think about Goodman Group, and they've got about 15 to 16% upside. Um, a lot of those companies you mentioned aren't going to have that kind of potential upside, at least in the short term, in the short term, like Goodman Group. So what have you come up with? Well, look, I went back for the trust and old faithful CSLP. You know, I've been a CSL fan for uh, since day dot. Um, I missed investing in the privatisation of uh, the old Commonwealth Serum Laboratories when investors paid an effective 77 cents per share. It's now trading at just under $300. So uh, I never wasn't smart enough back in 1992, but I still think CSL is there for long term and it's a stock yeah, that uh, hopefully my grandchildren will be able to enjoy one day, Peter, because the things I like about CSL is it's really a fact, fact, it's function of three reasons. First of all, it is the global leader in its field of blood plasma products, right? It's, there's no one other company that's close. And it's number two globally in terms of um, uh, influenza vaccines. So in its field, it's either number one or number two on a global basis. And I think that's uh, that's got to be something to recommend about a company. Yeah. Uh, secondly, uh, year in, year out, Peter's been able to grow. Um, it's had this amazing ability to uh, under-deliver and overperform. That is, uh, you know, comes up with a number, a forecast, uh, guide, provides a bit of guidance, and then we find out it is half-year or full-year results. It's usually at the upper end or over the guidance range. So a terrific delivery record. Doesn't say a lot between uh, reporting periods, but um, it's been a super reliable, uh, and, and that's, I think, a great... Uh, testament to the management uh, of the business and leadership. And then thirdly, I just like healthcare, Peter, because um, it still has a lot of really strong industry tailwinds. Now, they may not affect CSL as much, but they do affect the whole industry in the sense that, you know, it's very much supported by the government around the globe, invest a lot of money in healthcare, so that provides a great level of, of demand support. Uh, secondly, we all know the population in the Western economies is ageing. And as people get older, they need more health services. And thirdly, not only do they need more health services, but because of the advances in technology, we all go and get services, health services, so many more times than did our parents or grandparents or any, any generation that came before them. So our demand for health services is also increasing. And so all those sort of tailwinds help to support what, uh, what CSL does. So it's primarily about the company, but I do like the uh, industry tailwinds behind it. So that's why I've come down with CSL. Okay, so if you had to get move away from that particular one, what you, you know, obviously you've done some thinking on Goodman Group, and I, I must admit I've liked the company, I've got a small exposure to it because I could see it was gonna benefit from the fact that a lockdown has expedited people's interest in buying online. And when you buy online, the stuff is stored in warehouses, invariably, Goodman Group is supplying those warehouses. So, and I, I think the online world is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So that has to be good for Goodman Group. Um, what, what is your take on this company, Paul? Has it has it has it gone up gone up too high because we've gone mad on online buying in the short term and it might go off the boil? Or do you think the long term um, connection between normal people buying online and warehousing is going to be something that will get bigger and bigger? Look, I think it's going to get bigger, Peter, and Goodman um, Group is far more than, than that. It just specialises in terms of what it looks after in terms of investment, as a funds manager or as a manager of property or as a developer, uh, more in the industrial part of the market. 
And it's, it's a global business, Peter. In fact, I think Australian revenue is only about 30% of the business. So it really has done well offshore, particularly in Asia. Um, I went back, um, you know, conscious of the fact that it's done so well post the pandemic, because we know that, uh, you know, the shift to online got a super drive when, um, you know, the virus hit and people moved their shopping behaviour to online. Uh, I went back and had a look at his 10-year chart, Peter, and you'll find that over 10 years, it's been largely sort of pretty much uphill the whole way. That is a very, very positive trend over more than a decade. In fact, it's, uh, it's gone up by more than five times uh, over the last decade in price so, and paid a pretty some interesting dividend. So while I think it might just need to pull back a little bit from where it is, because, uh, you know, as the world goes back to normalcy, some of the you know, that sort of shift will slow down a little bit. Uh, it's a stock that I'd be looking at in any pullback um, to be uh, seriously on the buy list. Yeah, and I can remember during the GFC, it was absolutely clobbered. But once again, it rebounded pretty strongly. Of course, the, the GFC was a, a longer recession period than the, the last one, which was the shortest recession I've ever come across, shortest, the deepest I've ever come across. But... Uh, if ever there was a serious recession, it would suffer because the businesses that are its tenants would have tr uh, troubles. But yeah, it's the kind of stock you buy in a, in a serious sell-off, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Goodman Group, Macquarie at the right price, obviously, Peter, it's just gone gangbusters the last couple of months or last month or so, uh, was another one. And West Farmers also, it's probably not as glamorous as the others, but West Farmers, again, for shareholders, has provided a pretty good long-term return. Uh, it's, uh, it's shown itself pretty agile at sort of being able to uh, flick its portfolio around. Uh, you know, it's got out of the uh, of the mining and the resources. It's into things like lithium. It's sort of its, uh, its new investment wave in sort of post Bunnings and post Office Works and post Kmart. Um, and it's been pretty disciplined in terms of about how it approaches uh, investments. So a conglomerate, yep, but um, you know, delivered a pretty good return for shareholders over the long term. And I think West Farmers can also keep on doing it. And I, I've got a sneaking suspicion, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's actually, um, its share price has fallen enough to make it at least interesting for someone who wants to hold it for the long term. Yeah, look, I tipped it to go to 60, it got to about $65. I'm not sure why. Uh, it fell back to sort of the mid 50s. And if you're looking for any stock that's, uh, you know, um, there's no reason why it's in the mid-50s now and was in the mid-60s a couple of months ago, apart from uh, just a bit of profit-taking. Uh, there's probably a bit of value in West Farmers. Okay, Paul, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. And that was Paul Rickard of the Switzer Report. And if you want to try the 21-day free trial of the Switzer Report to get more in-depth analysis about stocks that we like, go to switzerreport.com.au. That's the show for tonight. Thanks for joining us. I'll see you on Thursday. I'm Peter Switzer. I'll see you then.